go. Come on, Spence. It's a grandkids game. We got it. Come on. Yeah, all right. It's a good thing we're not 40 years old. This would be a real challenge for us this morning. So that's just four. So just four. And then we got the fire. Look at this. We're ready to go. And you see, Nick, Nick's walking forward as the fire's going on. This is all legal, isn't it? Everybody loves to sing to, to us. Can we do that? Say, happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday, dear Living Stones Church, us. Happy birthday to us. Janae, feel free. There you go. There we go, everybody. All right, cookies are coming down the aisle. Feel free to grab one if you want. We began last week a new series entitled Mission Possible. We began last week just talking about the story that God has given us, the calling that he's given to us, specifically here on the south side of South Bend. Don't let them distract you. That's right, I'm still talking up here. Uh, Specifically to the south side of South Bend. If you missed it, you should go back to the podcast and listen to it. I'm telling you, it'll be great. But this morning, I want to continue on with this series talking about team. And very specifically, I want us to take a look at something that I will admit is a little goofy by way of Livingstone's church, but there really is intentions behind it. So that's my confession up front. It's a little goofy but there is intention behind it. So with that, would you mind at this moment, could you get out that connection card? If you would mind just pulling out that connection card that's in the bulletin and take a look at that. I want to show you something in here that really is important to us and why I think it matters in regards to the mission of our church. On that connection card, if you will notice, right below your name and that blank where you can fill out your email are four boxes that are meant to categorize your experience here at the Livingstones Church. I'd like to talk about that for just a moment. Here they are. This is as they follow. The very first box, that's all the way to the left of that card, says this. This is my first time here. I'm just checking you people out. Okay? Which means, if, for some of you, this is the first time you've ever been to Livingstone's church, and this box is very appropriate to your experience. What that means is you have never been here before. This is your very first time, and you came because you're just kind of checking out what goes down here at the Livingstone's church. And you didn't even know you were going to get cookies, but there's the cookies. Welcome to Livingstone's church. And I need you to know we are always excited when we have first-time guests among us. And our prayer is always that you are blessed when you are here with us, that not only will you have a good time, but you will, more importantly, experience God and whatever it is that you needed as you came in this morning. Because, listen, most people don't go to church for the first time because they're bored. Like, rarely does somebody wake up on Sunday and go, I'm kind of bored, let's find a church to go to. Usually, something drives people to church, and it's usually some circumstance that's going on in your life. And if that's where you are this morning and you came in with something, my prayer is, our prayer is that God will encounter you right where you're at. And when you leave, you will know that you have encountered God and experienced Him in a powerful way. So welcome this morning. And we're excited even to hear stories of, well, how'd you get here? And for some people, you got a postcard from the Livingstones Church advertising some message, and that's why you came here. Others of you were invited by a friend that comes here to Livingstones Church, so welcome. And others, you just know I keep driving by this church, and I've noticed over the years, either banners or rocks, whatever it might be, and so we decide one day to just check it out, and this is the day. So welcome to the Livingstones Church, and we know, listen, we know it is no small amount of courage to walk into a strange church for the very first time. There's no telling what you might experience. Who will treat you in what way? Will they be friendly? Will they not be friendly? Will they ignore me? Will I sit in somebody's seat? Will they pull out venomous snakes during worship? I mean, we get that there's nervousness. So, no, just cookies this morning. The snakes will be next week, so don't worry about it. I'm just kidding. Now, next to that is the second box that says this. This is my second time here, 
our blind date went well and just wanted to give it another shot. Okay? What that means is you've been here before. This isn't your first time here. It might be last week you showed up, or it could be months ago you came here to the Livingstones Church, and at least by way of thought or experience, you kind of liked it, at least in a way that you didn't find repugnant, <laughs> which we're always thankful when people leave and they are not repulsed by what they experienced at the Livingstones Church. You weren't scared off, and maybe as you left, you began to imagine in your mind, I don't know, this place might be possibly a church that I could see myself at. And then there's probably another half of you that was also thinking, yeah, but even though it wasn't a bad experience, maybe it was just a first time, it was just a fluke. And I mean, even a broken clock could be right twice a day. And so you came back a second time to see if there might be some consistency with the first time that you were here. And so that's what you're here to check out. And for some of you here this morning, this is the second time that you're with us. And I want to say welcome back to the Living Stones Church. Now that third box next to that says this. I come here regularly, but I'm leaving my options open. What that means is, you kind of like this and you keep coming back, but you're not ready to commit to anything. You're still kind of keeping your options open. And for most of you dudes out there, you're like, oh, that just speaks to my heart right there. I have a hard time committing in general. And so you gave me a box that says I could keep my options open and still come here on a regular basis. What that means is you've decided that this is not your church, even though it seems you like it, at least at the moment, but you've still got questions. You're still assessing what, you, what it is that you see. You're still making evaluations on what is said and how we worship. And you're trying to determine whether this place is for you. And what we found is here at the Living Stones Church, there's a sometimes people who show up here for the first time and they get kind of plugged in on a regular way but are leaving their options open because you are coming from another church or another community of faith that something went wrong. I don't know what it is. It could have been a fight. It could have been a bad thing. But as you're here, I'm up here on stage all yippy-skippy about the Living Stones Church, and the truth is you're sad because you're in the middle of this transition, and what you need is a place where you could just rest and heal and find peace for your heart. And if that's the case, we want to say in the midst of my yippy-skippiness, welcome to Living Stones Church, and we hope that you find here a place of peace and rest and a place where your heart can heal, even if it's just for just a season and then you go right back out to that community of faith or somewhere else, we totally recognize there is a good and healthy amount of time that ought to be committed to this idea of, yeah, I come here on a regular basis, but I'm keeping my options open. I'm not ready to dive in fully to the life of this church and be all in. I'm just trying to get my spiritual bearings again and assess what is it we're coming out of. And so in that, welcome. But next to that is another box that says, I'm all in. And I might, there might be other churches out there that use this language. I've never heard of them, and it's really quite goofy when you think about it. It sounds more like we're playing poker than dealing with church issues. But if you play Texas Hold'em, you know kind of that we're all in. We're pushing all of our chips into the center. That means I'm not holding anything back. This church is my church. I am all in. And I know that it's goofy, but there really is theology behind it, and there's reasoning behind it. And that's what I'd like to share with you this morning, if I might. What it means to be on team in regards to the mission that God has called us to and being all in here at the Living Stones Church, then what does it mean? Because here's what's been going on with us as a church. Just like a year and a half ago, two years ago, our categories were uh, uh, you were a regular attender or you were a member. And we used the language of membership. But just to be quite honest, we felt really awkward about it and uncomfortable because the language of membership feels strange. It's not in the Bible. You don't pick, I mean, there's just nowhere in the Bible where it talks about 
being a member somewhere, and just even language brings up all sorts of connotations. And here's what you need to know about the Living Stones Church. There are so many people here with so many different backgrounds. I mean, it's amazing to me. At our discovery class, which we have once a month, usually we start by saying, hey, what's your, any church background, if any, you want to share that? And what's crazy is the diversity that exists by way of your backgrounds. It is not like there is a common background that we all hold in, in agreement. You've got people who are like, no, really, the first time I've ever been to church was here at this church, all the way to I've been a Catholic, born and raised all of my life, and now I'm here at the Living Stones Church. And because of those, those, the diversity of backgrounds, what happens is when you throw words out like being a member of a church, then you summon up all sorts of connotations of which we have no control over, and it will be interpreted based on your lens of experience, whatever that might be. And so we decided we wanted to just kind of do away with this language of membership here at the Living Stones Church and see if we could find language that we get to define that would say, this is what we mean by it. Because we know some of you, because of your background, man, when you place membership at a brand new church, it was like a big deal. You had to go back to your old church and get a letter from that pastor saying you can be a new, I mean, really crazy. Others are like, I've never been a member, nobody's ever asked me to be a member of a church. I don't even know what you're talking about. And so others of you had to get baptized again or jump through some other hoop or whatever they re- this new church required. And in the end, there's all sorts of confusion. And we just felt a little uncomfortable by the language of member and membership. And so we thought, well, even that idea, like, you know, I'm a member of Blockbuster. Or at least I was until they closed down. <laughs> now I guess I'm a member of Netflix, whatever that means. I'm also a member of the O'Brien Center. It might not look like it, but I, that's where I'm supposed to go. And I'm a member of the Zoological Society. I love polar bears, and I hope Potawatomi gets a polar bear, but, you know, I'm a part of that organization. On Facebook, I'm a member of Side Hugs are for Sissies. Don't hug me, though, afterwards. I don't want that. You get what I'm saying? You could be a member of any civic group, and in the end, what does it usually mean? It usually means this. You pay a certain amount of money. It could be monthly dues. It could be an annual fee. You pay some money, and then you have all the rights and privileges that come with membership of that particular organization, that particular institution. It's very consumeristic, and it's very individualistic, and it focuses on you, your needs, your wants, your desires. But when you strip that all away and look back in the Bible, you don't see any of that when it comes to being a part of what the Bible calls church. And so because of that, here at the Living Stones Church, we've decided and discovered it's kind of a weird, awkward thing. I mean, you could, you could check regular attender like for months and months and months, and then one week finally check I'm all in. And do you know what changes for you? Like, you know what happens? Nothing. I mean, that's what we discovered. Like, nothing really happens. There's no special member-only bathroom. It's still only two urinals and that, that far apart. Right? There's no special member handshake. You don't get special membership parking. You don't get a special membership donut. I mean, you, there's just hardly any, I mean, nothing really changes. You don't get a tour of the basement. I mean, it's just nothing really changes. And so we were thinking, what does all this mean in terms of becoming all in? But in the end, let me give you the theology about being part of God's community. And this is where I begin. It begins with this. God chooses a people. See, this is different than membership of organizations where I get to choose whether I want Blockbuster, Netflix, or that Redbox thing, which I think the Redbox is kind of a neat idea. But anyhow, I get to choose all about me, what I want, what I need, what I'm interested in at the moment. But when you strip it all down in the scriptures, what you find is it begins with God. It doesn't begin with what I want, what I need. It begins with God chooses a people. He initiates everything. And so it goes all the way back to the beginning of our story. The very first book in Genesis chapter 12, God speaks to a man named Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, and he says this, 
I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse, the, curse those who curse you, and all people on earth will be blessed through you. Now, hang with me for just a moment. This is a story of God coming to Abraham and choosing him and his descendants to be his chosen people. It wasn't like Abraham chose God. It wasn't like Abraham said to God, hey, you know, I'm so intelligent, I'm so smart, and my family's large. He didn't have any, I mean, he had nothing to offer God. It has purely been an act of God's grace and mercy that from heaven he says, I choose you and your descendants that will grow so large that there'll be a big tribe and then there'll be a nation. And then through you, listen to what it says in the end, I will bless the entire earth. The family of Abraham will grow and become the nation of Israel, and Israel will be the community of God. God chose them. They had nothing to offer God, but he chose them nonetheless. They became the people of God. They will be a special nation, chosen and blessed by God. And in it, he will give to them the gift of holiness, which means he will set them apart for God's purposes. And part of that will be to give them the law. And when they got the law, they didn't think, oh, man, rules. When they received the law, it was for them how it is that they live their life with God, with one another in such a way that it would be a sign to the whole world of what God intended from the very beginning. And so the end of this verse 3, it says, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Could you imagine a promise? Listen to that promise. Through Abraham, the whole earth, the whole globe is going to be blessed through you and your family. It is an outward missional focus. It wasn't even about Abraham. Wasn't even about his family or the nation that came out of him, but about the entire planet. That God was doing something through this people that was supposed to serve, listen to me, as a light to the world around him. That the mission of Abraham and of Israel was to be the people of God that he chose and demonstrate to the world what God intended that what relationship with God would look like and what relationship with each other would look like. They were to live out the concept of shalom. I don't know if you ever heard, it, shalom is the Hebrew word for peace. And it, doesn't, it isn't defined just merely as an absence of conflict. Peace, shalom in the Hebrew, it is broad and it is large. It has with it all sorts of things from God's peace and wellness and prosperity. And Israel is supposed to live with God with one another in such a way that when the world saw it, they would go, there's something about that that reflects what God's heart intended from the very beginning. If you go back to our story in Genesis 1 and 2, how did God create us to live in union with Him and to have relationship with Him? And Israel is supposed to demonstrate that. And how were they to live with one another without sin that didn't rupture anything? They lived together in such a way that it was perfect. And Israel in some way was supposed to be a sign to the world of what God intended from the very beginning. But as is common among God's people, this is our history, listen, as is common among God's people, Sometimes God's people begin to think it's all about them. It's what we want. It's what we like. They become arrogant and prideful into who they are. Well, we're God's people. You're not God's people. We don't mind telling people you're not God's people. We're God's people. And then it becomes sort of this religious pride that comes in to our hearts and our minds and to the community that God created. We begin to think it's all about us. And churches do, do this all the time. They begin to be so inward focused, they think, they think it's all about them. And I think, and we think, that that language of membership kind of plays into that where it's all about us. And truthfully, it isn't anything about us. It's about God choosing us by his grace and mercy for something greater than ourselves and for the mission of God. And even Jesus, in his ministry, when he walks on the face of the earth, he comes to remind God's people, God's community of faith, God's covenant people, that it isn't about them 
but a world around them. And that even though Israel had been chosen, it was for the sake of the world. And so one day, it's in the Gospels, it's an interesting story where Jesus goes to his hometown, and little baby Jesus grows up and preaches in his home. Let's go back to his hometown church, which, man, that could be a nerve-wracking thing, preaching at your hometown church. So I'm telling you, my personal experience, Jesus goes back, and he's preaching in the synagogue. And at first, everybody's like, oh, little Jesus, isn't that great? Look, he grew up, and he preaches so well, and he's doing such a good job. And then all of a sudden, Jesus puts his finger on what he knows to be the issue with God's community of faith, and he tells them two stories, one out of the days of Elijah and one out of the days of Elisha. It's in their Bible. It's in the Old Testament, and it's a story where God's grace and mercy doesn't go to an Israelite but goes to Gentiles. And Jesus tells those stories that he puts his finger on their own pride and arrogance, thinking that it's all about them, and they're so offended. Do you know what happens in Jesus' hometown church? They get so offended, they chase him out, and they want to kill him. And Jesus has got to flee and take off and, and save himself because they were so angry at the hint or suggestion that God might actually be doing a thing in the world that didn't, was not about you, but about the world around us and what he wants to do through us. And all of a sudden, what we discover is, being a part of God's people isn't about ethnicity. And it's not about our background. It's not about being Jewish. That Jesus opens the door to relationship with God and being a part of his community through faith in him. So it's no longer about race. It's no longer about issues like circumcision, which they used to be fighting about. It's about placing your trust in Jesus. And so as our story unfolds, just in the book of Acts, you get to chapter 10. And what happens in Acts chapter 10? There's a Gentile named Cornelius who believes in Jesus and gets into God's people. He gets into the community of faith. And it's so scandalous. Can, you, can, can a Gentile actually get into the community of faith? And, and Peter comes along. He says, listen, the same thing happened to Cornelius. It happened to us back in Acts chapter 2. I guess he's in. And the whole church gets together in Acts chapter 15. They've got to have a big meeting. It's like the first real church meeting. There's a big council to decide, is God really accepting Gentiles? And in the end, the council comes out and says, I guess he is accepting Gentiles, that through faith in Jesus, the community of God's people are expanding. Not because of anything we have to offer to God, but because God has chosen us. And so this new community of believers who confess Jesus as Lord became known as, this is the word, in the Greek, it, they became known as the ecclesia. And how it's translated in your Bibles is church. But what ecclesia literally means is just the assembled ones, the assembly. It is those who are called by God and chosen by God as they come together are the ecclesia. They are the church, not because of them, not for them, but for the sake of the world, what God is trying to do through them. And so you see it over and over again in the Bible, and the Lord added daily to their number. You have passages like this, Acts chapter 2, verse 47. This is where it's telling a story of here's what the early church looked like in their life together, and summarizing in verse 47, it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Who added to their number? The Lord. It's not about them. It's not about us. It's what God is doing. It always begins with God. God initiates. God chooses a people. And so even in our conversation, as goofy as it is, those little four boxes, it's really all about God. I mean, it feels like it's about you, and you get to individually decide, and I guess to some sense I would grant that, but ultimately, God is really the one who is choosing. He is the one who's deciding. That same language is reflected in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, and Acts chapter 5, verse 14, where it is God who's choosing. It's all about God's work, and he's the one that adds to it daily. And for me, it seems to hardly be the picture of what we typically call membership. God called people, a chosen people, placed them in a new community. And you might not be aware of it, but if you're a part of God's community of people, it's because he chose you. He added you. And these have huge implications. God decides who is in and who isn't. And this is interesting because so many churches argue all the time about who should get in and who shouldn't. Like, 
genuine debates get started in huge fights. I mean, churches have split over the issue of who gets in and, and who doesn't get in. When ultimately, they don't get to decide. God gets to decide. It's his family. It's his church. It's his ecclesia. It's his people. And for most of you, you know this in terms of your own families. Like my parents, there's, there's myself, and I got a little sister, right? Little Sarah sitting, the, oh, sitting over here. She's my little sister that I can pick on for a moment. I love my sister, but I'll confess there were moments growing up where I wish I didn't have a sister, right? Did you wish you had a brother all the time? There you have it, okay. <laughs> I knew you. I, I don't remember my mom and dad ever coming home before they had Sarah and said, hey, Sam, what do you, what do you think about having a sister? Would you be all right if we had another child? And then I didn't, even let, I didn't even get a vote, like no vote for Sam in the house. Just one day they walk in with little baby Sarah, and here's your sister. And, all right, I got a sister, whether I like it or not. I don't get to choose who's in the family. And the same thing is true about we don't get to choose who is in the family. God chooses, which means you have brothers and sisters that you might not otherwise have ever chosen for yourself, but they're here and they're yours because of what God is doing. It transcends us. And so there's no more debate or conversation of who gets in, who doesn't get in. God decides who gets in and who doesn't get in. And now we figure out how we live as family. Did you see me do that right there? I did all the time. My, my grandmother at the first service says, you're like a quarterback trying to snap a... What's your story? I don't know why I keep doing that, so... Anyhow, there it is. I just noticed it when I thought, there it is. It's God's family, which means we can't reject anyone because of skin color or socioeconomic backgrounds or even political preferences. Hello? What that means is it doesn't matter who you voted for last November or a year ago November. L listen, listen. It doesn't matter whether you like MS, what is it, MS and MNNVCB, whatever that is, versus Fox whatever that channel is, or Glenn Beck, whether you like him or want him to get hit by a train. It doesn't matter in here. We don't, we don't choose based on that. God chooses. And in it, it's a sovereign work of God. But very quickly, this new community of, of God's people takes on metaphors. And let me give you just three real quick that we see in the New Testament. We could talk all day about, I could talk all day about these, but here's three real quick. One is the household of God, the family of God that we've just been talking about. This is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, right, or and aliens. He's talking about those who are Gentiles who are now in the community of faith. He says, but now you are fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Say, it's, you now belong to the family of God. Now, just think about this for a moment in terms of identity. That means all the rights and privileges, not as a member of some organization, but all the rights and privileges of being a son or a daughter of God. Woo! You get a place in God's house. You have a room within God's house that is all your that is yours, given to you because God has chosen. You see, it's all about God. And so those metaphors should be active for us to go, oh yeah, we are a family of God. We are we are in God's household. Metaphor number two. Or, or let, me, let me go to two more scriptures. Sorry about that. Uh, first Peter chapter two, verse four and five. Listen to this, you'll love this. As you come to him, the living stones, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stone. Isn't that beautiful? Living somebody should name a church after that. Or being are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are all to be a part of this spiritual priesthood. This is, we're going to talk more about this next week. I mean, you, are, you all are ordained by God to be in ministry. We'll talk more about that next week. But anyhow, this is a powerful identity for us. Powerful identity. Or 1 Peter 2, verse 9. It's all the language of Israel that he's applying to the church. You're a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, 
a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Metaphor number two. First metaphor is the household of God or the family of God. Number two is you are Christ's body. And this is Paul's way of trying to acknowledge we all are different. We really are. we got different gifts, different thoughts, different abilities. We're not the same. Being a part of God's family is not like, oh, no, now we're all think the same, act the same, are the same. You're not me, praise God, <laughs> and I'm not you. I mean, that's, but he uses this concept of, yeah, it's like the body. The body has lots of different parts, but when they all come together, they become the whole body. And what Paul says is that's what you are in, in, in refer, as it refers to Jesus. You are all individually different parts of Christ's body, but when we come together, we look like Jesus. And this is important because if somebody's trying to find Jesus, we should be able to say collectively, you can find him among us because we are the body of Christ. We function as the body of Christ. Whatever Christ did in his body for the glory of his Father, that's what we do. There's major implications. And then finally, number three, first one is household of God. The second one is Christ's body. The third is the temple of God. And oh, when the Jewish people thought of the temple of God, that is where God dwelt. If you wanted to find God, you go to the temple. And Paul says, that's what you are. You're the place where God could be found. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? See, God is at work still in a community of people that he has called to himself, that he has chosen, that he has set apart, and that he, by faith in Christ Jesus, is calling the entire world to. We exist for the sake of the whole world. We exist to be part of his mission. We exist to cooperate with God in his mission of love. That's what we talked about last week. To cooperate with God in his mission of love. This is so much more than being a member of a church that has with it the rights to weddings and burials. When you actually go back and read the scriptures, being a part of the body of Christ, being a part of the temple of God, being part of the household of God, is so much more than being a member of some institution or organization. We get to participate in a global mission that God has predestined for us, that he has chosen us for, that he has called us to, and it's more than that. And so in it, we just want to hand back in our membership cards because it's too trite for what God has called us to. He's called us something much bigger than that. And even though the language is goofy, that's what we're trying to communicate by saying we are all in. We are pushing all of our chips to the center and saying we'll go broke if we have to, but we are in for God and for his mission here in this place. We've used in the past the analogies that kind of work for us. They're kind of, uh, one is of an army versus an audience. Totally different dynamics, right? An army has a very clear mission, a very clear focus. Everybody in the army has a part to play so that the vision and the mission uh, is able to take place. I mean, there's all, versus an audience where they're not connected at all. You know what it's like when you go to see a movie? And the movie could be packed. There'd be tons of people in there. You'd experience something for two hours, and then what do you do? You walk out of the movie, and you go in your cars, you go on your way home. Church was never intended to be like an audience. And oftentimes, that's what church becomes. We all kind of come, we experience something together, then we get in our cars and go home. That's a totally different concept and totally different metaphor than when I think God is calling us to, not to be an audience, but to be an army for the glory of his son, Jesus. And so in that, those become working metaphors that God adds us. I know it was universal church. I mean, this is more than Livingstone's church. I mean, this is universal church. But we still place ourselves in that local manifestation of that universal church. And listen to me. There are lots of manifestations. There's lots of churches around here. There's lots of good churches around here. I've got good friends, good pastors who pastor good churches that I'm telling you, I'd recommend in a heartbeat for those who thought, eh, I'm not sure Livingstone's is it. Love them. But having said that, we know that, yeah, this is one, and so this is the language for us of being all in. While that old language of membership just didn't reflect our hearts and the behaviors of those who journey here, we thought there might be something to the language of all in. 
because while nothing shifts so much by way of becoming all in for you week to week, we think there's something significant about saying, I'm all in. That yes, this is my church. And yes, I'm on this team. And while that might not change a whole lot for you from week to week, for us as leaders, I'm telling you, it means all the difference between being able to execute vision and mission and not being able to. And we know this on every other arena of our life and the things that go around. No team can function well if its coaches don't know that the parts of the team are really all in. I mean, just picture if you're a team trying to win the Super Bowl. I mean, not the Colts necessarily, but I mean, some other team that was trying to win the Super Bowl. When the quarterback, when he, the ball snapped to the quarterback and he looks at his wide receiver, he can't look at a guy who's going, I'm not sure I'm really all into this team. I mean, I'm just kind of, I'm keeping my options open. I'm not sure. I mean, right? I mean, the quarterback says, are you kidding me? I want you to break your neck if you have to to get down there and catch this ball so we collectively as a team can win this. I mean, we know this in every other area of our lives. It doesn't work for somebody to be perpetually, I don't know, I'm just kind of keeping my options open. That doesn't work. I mean, try joining the Army or the military, any military branch, and in the middle say to your uh, sergeant, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I'm really into this. I'm, kinda, I'm still keeping my options open and see what happens next. Man, you can't. That doesn't work like that. Try getting together with your spouse today on Valentine's Day and in your car just say, you know, I like you, but I just, I'm keeping my options open. Just Don't call me this week for counseling because I'll just say, I warned you ahead of time. If you need, like, surgery, like something's wrong in your body, you need surgery, and you're sitting there in front of the doctor, the surgeon, you don't want him to go, yeah, I'm open to this being a successful surgery. Like, open? I want you to look at me in the eyes and say, I've done this a hundred times, I know exactly what I'm doing, and this is going to be just fine. Nobody's interested in their stockbroker or financial advisor. Yeah, I'm open to you making a profit. No! I mean, I want you to break your neck if you, I mean, you see what I'm saying? Being open to something perpetually, we know that doesn't work in any other area, and it doesn't work in the body of Christ. It doesn't work here at the Living Stones Church. No church could be successful moving forward in its vision and mission if those who belong to it are more of an audience than they are an army. So in that, here's what we mean by all in. How, how do you know if you're all in? You might be all in. This is like a Jeff Foxworthy skit. You might be a redneck. If, uh, you might be all in at the Living Stones Church. Here's some five things we've kind of identified. Number one is by way of identification. And if you begin to say, this is my church, by way of identification, that might be a sign that you're all in here at the Living Stones Church. And this is a shift for people because this is the way it usually starts. Like you go to a church for the very first time. That's not your church. It's that church, Right? Where'd you go this morning? I went to that Living Stones Church. Oh, okay. But uh, as you journey along, what will happen is if God calls you here into this place and, and you, it will happen, your language will shift. And so they, well, well, that's my church. It's kind of that first person ownership, and all of a sudden it shifts. And if you find that you're doing that in conversation, that this is your church, this is my church, that might be a sign that you're all in at the Living Stones Church. Number two, it's also heart. And in it, it manifests in things like this I'm in for this journey. What that means is if last week you heard our story, this is what God has called us to at the Living Stones Church. Or if you've come to the Discovery class, there's one in, in, at the end of March you could sign up for. If after that you, you think to yourself, yeah, if the church is doing that, I'm in for that. I'm all, if that's the journey they're on, that's the journey I can see my life on. And there's some attachment to our heart in that. And that might be a sign that you're all in here at the Living Stones Church. The third is action. The third is action. God's calling. Okay. Uh, the third is action. If it's him for me, let me know. Uh, action. That means this is where we work and worship. And what I mean by work is 
Man, God has given you something. He's given you gifts. He's given you time. He's given you talent. And you say, I want to use that here. So wherever you need me, I want to be involved. I want to be a part. And when you go to bed on Saturday night, you don't go to bed thinking, I wonder where I'm going to go in the morning. You kind of go to bed knowing, oh, no, we're going to wake up. We're going to go to Livingstone's church. That's where I work. That's where I worship. That might be a sign by way of action that you're all in here at the Livingstone's church. Number four, we, we were talking about this the whole month of January, right? How money and heart are so tied together. When you give to this mission, like your money is attached to it, your time is attached to yourself in those ways to what's going on here at the Living Stones Church, that might be a sign that you're all in here at the Living Stones Church. And finally, number five, it happens in words. And this is what happens here. People that God calls in this place, and they get all excited. They start telling their coworkers and their neighbors and their family and their friends, you ought to come to my church. You ought to come to Living Stones. I mean, and so when that starts to happen, you start to feel that, that might be a sign that you're all in here at the Living Stones Church. But in conclusion... Don't go to sleep. Hold on. Just in conclusion, let the sugar keep working. We really do think there's an appropriate time for leaving your options open. Well, this is not a message to, to convince people who are regular attenders and just keeping their options open. Well, you need to be all. No, no, seriously. We think that there ought to be an appropriate time for leaving your options open, and we would recommend it. No one would recommend getting married after a week. We wouldn't recommend being all in after a week. In fact, our experience is if you come here one time and check all in, we'll never see you again. I don't know why that is. It just seems to always happen. We think you should hang out for a while and see what it's like here. We think that you should get a consistent feel for who we are as a church and what we're all about. We think you should come to a discovery class and learn more about this journey or get involved in a growth group and see what God is doing here, maybe calling you to. But we think that there's something very right and appropriate about just kind of a season of being uh, uh, keeping our options open and coming here on a regular basis. And I want to also say, in terms of becoming all in, uh, you know, I just said, you know, you know, you would get married after a week. But, I mean, really, being all in isn't about getting married either, right? This is not a death until death do us part proposition in terms of being at the Living Stones Church. It's like a, it's like the mafia, right? You kiss somebody's ring and you try to get out, Guido's going to show up or Tony's going to show up and wax them. I mean, no, that's not what it's like. You want to watch that movie, The Firm? You ever seen The Firm? Yeah, a scene where, uh, I don't know what her name was, Tom Cruise's wife, they're interviewing, and one of the women say, the firm encourages us to have children in our lives. And just, how do they do? I mean, it's this weird cultic thing. Now, listen, that's not what this is about either. There are seasons maybe for you to be on at the Living Stones Church, and then the season might come to an end. And whatever it is for you, that's okay. What I'd say is there's a season for everything. But if your time here at the Living Stones Church, it, it might be for the rest of your life. But if it is for just a season, and it is your season, then do it all in. There are long-term spiritual consequences for never being all in. I mean, not to, I'm not talking about just here, but I mean anywhere. And you know that in other relationships. Discern whether you really need to keep your options open or if there really might be a, a failure to commit on your part by way of what God is doing through his people that you are not fully invested in, that you are not all in. And then prayerfully discerning whether that might be for you at this time. But in terms of those four boxes... What in our cake was it? We're all good, so something else is going on. In terms of those four boxes, we think God has called us to a huge mission, a great mission, to change the world starting here with the 42,500 people who live all around 718 East Domler Avenue. And in that, we want to commit ourselves all in, not because we have something to prove to God that we're so good that he would choose us, but only because God initiated that. We know he's up to something big in and through us, not for us, not about us, what's going on around us, and we want to be used in that way. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we come to you and ask that you would bless us as a church, 
Father, I pray for wisdom and discernment for anyone that you're calling, whether wherever they're at, if they're here for the very first time, then what we say, Lord, is thank you that they are here. I pray, Lord, that they would encounter you in a powerful way and leave feeling refreshed. If it's those who are here a second time, I pray, Lord, thank you for that, and I ask that you would just continue uh, to just work in their heart and life and answer questions that they might have and to pull in their hearts in ways that are appropriate. Or, Lord, if it's those who've been here for a while, and, Lord, they just still have questions or just need a sense of peace, I ask, Lord, that you might give that. But for others that are all in, I ask, Lord, that we would be all in, that you would use us in a powerful way for your glory. We know it's not about us, but what you're doing in the world, and we just don't want to miss out on that. And so, Lord, for those of us who are all in, we give ourselves this morning to you again fresh. Use us for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship together.